A reading from John. Jesus said to his disciples, When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. You also are to testify because you have been with me from the beginning. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes... He will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father and you will see me no longer. About judgment, because the ruler of this world has been condemned. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I said, all that he will take. For I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Where is God? Where is God? Why isn't God showing up? And what could possibly be more important than my mom? The year was 2008, and it was three days before Christmas. I flew to Atlanta for the funeral of the mother of one of my students. At the beginning of the semester, Ellen's vibrant, healthy mother had been diagnosed with cancer and begun aggressive treatments. For a brief moment in time, there was hope that surgery and chemo were working and the cancer was no longer spreading. And then came the call. Somehow, the doctors had switched her medical reports with the reports of another patient. They had been given false hope and there was no hope to be found. I couldn't get Ellen to pick up the phone, but did everything I could to provide some sense of care through text message which was the only way she was communicating with anyone. Her words pierced me. Where is God? Why didn't God show up? And what could possibly be more important than my mom? Three and a half months later, Ellen's mom was dead. And I was sitting at her funeral at a church in downtown Atlanta, wrestling these questions with all of my might. Truthfully, these questions have never left me and continue to reappear in countless voices in a variety of contexts and for many different reasons. 
These are the questions for which there will never be adequate answers. Likewise, these questions and the ones who are courageous enough to ask them will suffer no fools. Bad theories about God as a puppeteer or theologically corrupt gymnastics will never suffice in the face of that which penetrates us to the core. We have all faced these questions at some point or another in our life. Truthfully, these are the questions of those with faith and oftentimes those without. Though drowning in grief and looking for hope in a particular moment, these are the questions that operationalize the substance of our faith. Where is God? And how exactly does God work? These are also what I would call our Pentecost questions. Pentecost is a celebration of the coming of the Holy Spirit. More practically, it is the acknowledgement of the mysterious and ongoing wrestling with God's presence in our lives. How does God act in my life and in our world? And what are the reliable marks of this activity? Today's readings provide the framework that respond to these urgent and ever-present questions. God works primarily in two ways, the first of which is through the empowerment of followers to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. That's simply more, using more words to say the church is one of the ways in which we can witness God. The scene described in today's reading from the book of Acts marks the birth of the church. It's the empowerment of followers to travel in all directions, sharing the story of Jesus. It's a gathering of the likely, those who are known as disciples, as well as the unlikely, the devout Jews from every nation, or those who hadn't been with Jesus. In the midst of a crowd that today we would label as diverse, there's a common understanding that defies all logic. In this moment, they are empowered to see beyond self-interest to a unifying mission. Truthfully, I think the gravity of Pentecost has been and perhaps will always be lost on us because church is something we take for granted. It's always been an option as long as you and I have been around, even if only in a modified digital format for a year. Further, there are countless ways in which we can point to the flaws inherent in what we have come to know as a church. It's a fallible and imperfect institution that reflects the sins of the humans who lead and occupy it. And yet, at the outset, the church was ripe with possibilities. It was an unimaginable gathering of followers who were committed to sharing and modeling the way of Jesus. The coming of the Holy Spirit is the thing that allows this impossible project to endure. If it were up to us, the church would have expired long ago, and some would argue it's well on its way to expiration. But the presence of the Holy Spirit decisively declares otherwise. God's presence makes it possible for ordinary followers to witness to the extraordinary account of Jesus. Consider this on a global scale. 
it is truly preposterous to trace the birth and growth of the church from this moment in the book of Acts to our reality in the present day. The continued guidance, encouragement, and presence of God's spirit is the only way this is possible. Or perhaps it's more helpful to think on a local scale. Since I arrived several years ago, we've engaged in various rounds of discernment, seeking to respond to wherever God is calling us next. We've genuinely wrestled with this question, expressing heartfelt confusion over what it might possibly look like to identify God's presence in our midst. A year ago came as a moment that served as a clarion call of sorts, catapulting us into deeper relationship with a sister congregation as we wrestled with the notion of racial reconciliation in our country. Today, those relationships have blossomed with the seeds of trust that were planted ever so timidly. The questions have shifted from what can we do to what won't we do? That's not a result of good organizational skills or a visionary leader. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. That is evidence of a group of followers acting on the ways in which they have been empowered to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. God works through the empowerment of God's followers. The second primary way God works is by making Christ present in surprising ways. This type of activity extends far beyond the confines of the church and into the world. This includes all the ways in which Christ's grace and mercy are sacramentally available to any and to all who need it, despite never having set foot in a church. Or in other words, it is the building of the kingdom of God that allows us to encounter God in the world. These are the moments that require our attentiveness to the spirit of the sacraments, those outward and visible signs of inward and spiritual graces. Perhaps you've had one of those moments recently, as vaccines have allowed us to move within closer proximity of one another in the last several weeks. It may have been an embrace from a relative whom you've not seen in person for months, or a meal shared at the same table with close friends. In each of these encounters, there was a moment that caught your breath. Yes, it was just a hug or just another meal, but it was also much more than that. It was a symbol of the significance of your relationship, of the holiness of shared meals, and of God's presence in the midst of all of it. At the end of the day, it was an opening up of your intentions, what kind of person you want to be, the mysterious nature of a shared meal, or how committed you are to appreciating each and every one of those encounters. You caught a glimpse of how you, help, you intend to help build God's kingdom. These are not moments we colloquially refer to as sacramental, holy, or Pentecostal, especially as Episcopalians, we get super weirded out with that word. But that's exactly what they are. God continues to work in our lives by making Christ present in surprising ways. Christ is God's reminder that God always desires to be with us. 
Sacraments are one of the ways we ritualize and remember the presence of Christ. I'm so thankful we get to baptize Hannah this morning as a reminder of the power of these sacraments. But don't get stuck on the concept. Focus on the purpose. God works in our lives by making Christ present in surprising ways, glimpses of the kingdom of God under construction. So where is God? How exactly does God work? The season after Pentecost is the longest season in the church calendar, and rightfully so. It is the acknowledgement of our real and constant need to wrestle with God's working in the world. These questions bring clarity to the most piercing and memorable moments of our lives. These are the questions that give shape to our faith. Today, we pause to acknowledge the extraordinary paradox of our holy vocation as disciples. It is both inspiring and incomprehensible. Imagine for a moment that you never learned to read. We could spend all day cataloging the ways in which our lives would be different, the places we could not go, the things we could not see, the opportunities we would not have had. More than halfway through your life, you work up the courage to ask a niece to teach you to read. All of a sudden, your perspective expands exponentially. The world is so much larger than it once was, incomprehensibly so. Perhaps this is also what it's like to recognize how rich our life is because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. While we will never have full and sufficient answers in life's most painful or glorious moments, we can rely upon God's presence every step of the way. On this Feast of the Pentecost, let us celebrate and rejoice that we can find evidence of God's presence in our midst. Amen.